I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Ladies, gentlemen, and variations thereupon, get to the chopper! This is Modern Escapism. Hello and welcome to Modern Escapism. My name is Stig and I will be your host for this week. Joining me, you've heard of the muscles from Brussels. Well, this is the normal guy from the next town over. It's Biggie. <laughs> Diplomatic oh, immunity. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> no, if Modern Escapism was stranded fighting an alien horde, she'd 100% be the only survivor as the rest of us men would do something stupid and all die painfully. It's Candy. And I take my cat with me. Yes, you would. Uh, you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. Well, I couldn't think of anyone better than to get nuts with. And our special guest tonight, long-time listener, soon-to-be podcaster with Smash That Glass, it's the queen of feedback, the tampon lady herself, <laughs> Super Natty Cat. Yay! Yay! I'm a tampon in special. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lucky one. <laughs> Uh, Oodles and Gadget are away this week as the CIA have got them pushing too many pencils. <laughs> uh, welcome, Natty. Hello. Thank Hello. you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having Short me. Short notice as well. Yeah. I was literally like face deep in Danish pastries when Andy gave me the uh, old heads up that I was going to get cold. So I was like, <gasps> so I well, you didn't want to know what I was face deep Here in. I am. <laughs> Are you thinking for worse ways to go out? <laughs> Death by Danish. <laughs> See, that, that's what's that's what's going to happen now. That you're uh, you're part of the team, and you start and smash that glass whenever we need to pull you in. We're going to pull you in. Oh, it's fun. I didn't tell it's her good. that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't sign a waiver. <laughs> oh, Biggie, get on that, will you? Hey, come on. <laughs> we'll take it off call. <laughs> right. Before we get into the show, please consider becoming one of our Patreons. From as little as £1 a month, you can support the show. Or for £5 or £7.50 a month, you'll get access to bonus content and a plethora of extra material. Just head to patreon.com forward slash modernescapism or modernescapism.co.uk to see everything that we do. Okay, Biggie, bring me that breaking news. No. All right. You may already know, but he doesn't, because it's time for Biggie's Breaking News. First up, we've got Disco Elysium's lead game designer, Robert Kurvitz, has now filed a lawsuit against developer Zalm. Earlier this month, a number of the key members of the development team had confirmed they're no longer working at the studio. It's quoted as saying, the reason for dissolving the cultural organisation is that it no longer represents the ethos it was founded on wrote founding member Martin Luiga. People and ideas are meant to be eternal. Organisations may be temporary. He then later alleged that some of the team members were fired on false premises. Hmm. This, uh, this sucks. Yeah. I absolutely love Disco Elysium and I was really looking forward to either seeing a follow-up to like a sequel to that game involving those characters or just a general follow-up to see what that studio and that creative team were going to do. Mm. But now 
it, it whatever disco Elysium follow up we get, it's just going to be. I just, it might be as good, but mm. I, just, I don't see it. I mean, doesn't yeah, play well, it's does not it? like there aren't more talented people out there, but it's the kind of glue that it was the, the, probably the magical ingredients, wasn't it? Like that specific set of people. Yeah. But I wonder if the people that left are now going to kind of form a form some kind of team together and do something else. But it's such a shame. It's obviously like some kind of new management team have come in and just shaken it up, not to um, not to their advantage, possibly. Yeah, I hope so because they, you know, say the amazing game with Disco Elysium. So I'd like to see what they do like in the future. Mm. But yeah, it's just a shame that it, it won't be them working on any Disco follow up if there is one. Mm. Big poo. <laughs> Uh, CD Projekt um, Red has uh, surprised everybody by announcing that there's going to be a Witcher 1 remake and it's built from the ground up with Unreal Engine 5. Now, I was talking to a mate of mine um, the other night and he said he recently had played The Witcher on the PC after buying it cheap in a sale somewhere. <laughs> and he said it's pretty gash at this point. It's, yeah, it's uh, not aged well. So No, I've heard it's absolutely terrible. Uh, I got it free when I got Cyberpunk. Oh, did you? I never bothered touching it. Yeah, I never touched it though because it just it it just looks crap anyway. Mm. I've never I've never played The Witcher Three yet, so that's still on my to do list. Mm. Um, so I'm quite happy to just wait for this remake. I think this is one of the cases where a remake is actually due, isn't it? Because it was I think it was up until then they'd only made um, mobile games, and so this or no, they were actually uh, no CD Projekt Red were um, translating games for people into Polish, as far as I know. So this was their first venture into actually like doing games. So, actually, if you look at it, it doesn't like graphically. It doesn't look too bad. It looks aged, but for the time, it's not too bad. I think the the trouble with it is the the combat and everything. It ended up being more of a a sort of rhythm game. So it was it was a case of kind of clicking on the characters at the right time to to combat, and you, we can see what they actually are capable of. So it's fully like mm. I fully endorse them actually going back and doing a remake because it's certainly needed. Not like some other games that needed remaking. <laughs> That's true. Do you think they'll keep the uh, sexy conquest cards in? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just know you can just you just know that once they announce that, oh, we aren't putting them in the game anymore. There's just going to be a subsection of Twitter that's just going to be literally unplayable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I ref- I will not play this game. I think I they're doing all their my um, sexual conquests. They're doing all their games in Unreal Five now, aren't they? Or Unreal Engine. Let's hope so. Mm, I think I heard that. I think they are. Because it was um, Red Engine before, wasn't it? Which is a pretty good engine, so I'm surprised. But Mm-mm. maybe it's just having a pre-packaged engine ready to go is just easier. Because they've got, what is it, five, six projects on the go now that they're actively yeah. working on? So, yeah, yeah, they're just... As well as, as well as still carrying on with Cyberpunk. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's a that's a forever conquest, like uh, <laughs> allegedly thing they're work, yeah, they're working on. And up next, next up, striking distance and publisher Craft uh, Crafton Crafton have announced the Japanese version of upcoming space horror, the Callisto Protocol, has been cancelled in Japan. So this is due to the game's violent content, which means it's unable to secure an age rating with the Cero Japanese equivalent of Peggy in Europe and ESRB in North America. Developers stated those who pre-ordered this version of the game will receive a full refund for their purchase. Wow. Which is I weird. Cause... 
Japan are nuts. What? Why? Yeah. <laughs> They've got some proper violent games. Yeah, the stuff that they put out, whether it's in manga, anime, you name it, it's just weird that this has happened. But Yeah, yeah I was going to say that the culture that gave us, like, real fucked up manga. Legend of the Overfiend. And, yeah, and... <laughs> And, and and you know and they're, they're responsible for survival horror games you know seeing all that kind of stuff but yet this the cat rate this is a bit weird Game it looks does look though. horrific though doesn't it to be fair from all the trailers <laughs> it looks really bad i'm so excited for it me too yeah. me i've too. not watched any of the trailers because uh, it's one of those ones where i just want to like everyone's buzzing about it so i'm like right i'm gonna i'm going off everyone else's buzz here mm. so i'm going off that and i'm hoping that that's enough to to make me like it. Yeah, <laughs> but, well, a few websites. Yeah, a few <laughs> websites have already um, had hands on with it as well, and saying that it's good. Yeah, of course it's, it's going to be good. When's it out again? December the eleventh. Yeah, because I think oh, God of War is the ninth of November, and I think it's that's I think right. it's December the eleventh. I think it's going to be a I busy might. Christmas. <sighs> I might play that and then get God of War for Christmas. I might ask Santa to get me God of War for Christmas. And then oh, Dead Space in January. Although God of War's more <laughs> of a Christmassy game, though, isn't it? Being as it's Ragnarok. Nice yeah. snowy I environment. Play, I could probably play that around my kids more than the Callisto Project as well. <laughs> mm, I mean, barely. <laughs> That's got some pretty brutal kills in it as well. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's not. Um, there's going to be ways around it for a Japanese audience that want to play it. There's ways around it, isn't there? It's not region locked. It's just that they would have to do the old uh, IP blocker or something. But they'll they'll get their hands on it. It's just a shame that it's not going to be in Japanese. Mm. Yeah, it's very odd. Honestly, I I just I'm not I can't understand why that. Unless there's some kind of politicking going on. Mm. I don't know. When I first saw the headline, it said it'd been cancelled. I was like, no, didn't realise what it was. Yeah, same. Well, that's when you said cancelled. Then I was like, what? <laughs> cancelled. In Japan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, next. Uh, new, I'm not letting you say next. New Star Wars in the works. <laughs> Justin Britt Gibson is uh, penning the script with Lindelof um, with the film potentially bringing back some characters from the 2010 films. Sources say the oh. movie project is intended as a standalone but in success um, could lead to more movies. The plan goes against the grain of earlier Lucasfilm development process, which saw the company try to come up with new trilogies. Now the studio seems to be focused on standalones. Uh, see, if this follows like... It's that small galaxy again, isn't Skywalker. it? Yeah, but if this, if this follows the Rise of Skywalker and is meant to carry on their story, I'd, I'd rather they... They clearly aren't just going to do a standalone. This will be a trilogy or something. I'd rather mm. them just set it all out because doing each film one after another without an actual end goal look how that turned out mm. for the last three it's an absolute mess they will end up just finishing this film with a cliffhanger and then go right now now what do we do without any idea of where it's going especially if it's bringing ray back i know that um john boyega will be back yeah. he's already said he's done with it yeah. so not surprised I just find it really difficult to get excited about any more Skywalker saga stuff. Like they they said it was going to be the end of the Skywalker saga and there's just such there's an entire universe. And we said it before, you know, it doesn't have to focus around this one or two, you know, families. Just do something else. I don't, I don't yeah. want more direct sequels. 
Well, it could have been the end of the Skywalker if they hadn't have put that last line in Rise of Skywalker. And I hated that as well. (laughs) (laughs) Take that name that you've got and own it. Change change people's perceptions of that name. Yeah, it was. I hated that film so much. (laughs) What's your name? Ray Binks. (laughs) Ray Binks. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Ray Ray. Yeah, I, I quite like some of the standalone stuff they're doing. I've liked some of the TV stuff. Um, yeah, just I'm not really have much confidence in the mainline Star Wars. Yeah, they're too scared to step away from Skywalker in a way, aren't they? It just well, they it's still got that, to have a what, little link somewhere. It's literally what the Last Jedi is about. Can't they just do it's more like Rogue One? About. That was that was amazing. It was. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've I, got. Um, Andor, haven't you? That's the Rogue One one. Um, yeah, I haven't seen that. Yeah, yet. Pre- like yeah, prequel to Rogue One, isn't it? There's other stuff coming out because there's meant to be a Taika Waititi Star Wars film coming. There's meant to be a um, Ryan Johnson. Uh, I mean, Johnson is still down for doing a tr- like a Star Wars trilogy, regardless hmm. of the Last Jedi like backlash. It's still kind of floating around. It hasn't officially been cancelled yet. Yeah. And also, Patty Jenkins is meant to be doing one as well. There's not much details of when these are coming out, though. It'll happen, because Disney will force it upon us. <laughs> yeah, of course they will. The big mouse. They didn't pay all that money for Star Wars, just to shelve it. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Make you eat fucking Star Wars until you are sick of it. Star Wars and Marvel. Yeah. Shovel it all in. Yep. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, James Gunn and Peter Safran have been named as co-chairman and CEOs of DC Studios because they want to be Marvel. <laughs> they do, but this is a step in the right direction. I think this is kind of exciting, and I think it's probably linked with some of the other um, news stories we've got coming up as well, one or two. But yeah, I mean they 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 certainly got a space to step in because Marvel's kind of gone a bit off the boil recently. So now would be the perfect opportunity if they're going to to get to get in there and do something new. Yeah, and and James Gunn as well obviously has experience with the Marvel machine, so he mm. knows how it kind of works. Uh, he's produced some good Marvel films. He's done one of the best DCEU films, and the um, Peacemaker spin-off mm. TV show was brilliant. Yeah. So, and having a proper filmmaker with ideas and a storyteller is, as head of the head of it all is probably better than just having a corporate suit. Yeah, which yeah. is what they've had before, where they've just gone, "Give me a Superman film." It didn't work very well. Give me another Superman film. <laughs> this time, put Batman in it. It's like, <laughs> and I just think getting away from Zack Snyder is probably a good thing. Yes, yeah. please. Just it. Yes, just in terms of storytelling, I just think, I said before, visually, I think he's he looks great, but storytelling, it just it's an absolute muddled mess. So I think James Gunn's probably a very good person to bring in to kind of steady that ship and do with it. It should be a Marvel thing. They should be able to do that with all these characters and, the, and these worlds because it's there. It's just that there's no real they just have... cohesiveness. Yeah. It's just they just throw them together and then... Like the the difference between Wonder Woman in her own film and Wonder Woman in Batman vs Superman, it's like they're like different characters. Yeah. Mm. Well, and 1984 as well, which we don't speak of. Yeah, we don't talk about. <laughs> no, 
but yeah, the, the, the magic ingredients again—they're just not quite—they're not quite meshing together yet. Have they? they haven't quite found it. But they're looking—they're looking for their uh, Kevin Feige, I think. Do you think there'll and be a cool. moment where DC will like overtake Marvel in popularity, like when the DC films become the Marvel and Marvel become the DC? I, do you know, it wouldn't be—I I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Not necessarily because DC become that much better, but. Again, people are just starting to get a bit of Marvel burnout, I think. So, you know, the two things with maybe there's just a bit more excitement in uh, in DCU sparking. There's definitely excitement with what's coming up now. Yeah. And I bet you there's going to be a, a crisp rat uh, reboot as Batman if James Gunn's involved. I, s- <laughs> I set Biggie up for a great segue and he just completely <laughs> missed it. I bet there's going to be excitement with what's coming up next. Oh, let's have a look. It's official. <laughs> the, Witch, the Witcher is returning for season four. And somebody else is going to be Geralt. No. 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 Still yes. it. You still missed it. No. It's Liam Hemsworth because no. Henry Cavill is a bit busy, apparently, doing other stuff. That was meant to be your segue story. I know. I got it. I got it. <laughs> I could not yeah, hate Yeah, let's touch on The Witcher first, first. I just don't see the point. I don't understand it. Um, I, I don't really like how Cavill steps in away from it. Um, he said he was in, in, in it for the full seven series. Whether it's because... I mean, it's probably because of Superman. Let's yeah. be realistic. Well, I think it's a it's, scheduling it's, conflicts. Yeah, it's it's partly that for sure. And I think with James Gunn on board, maybe there's been some new contracts, or maybe he's got a bit more excitement for the DCU going forward. But at the same time, do you remember there was a hoo ha last week about um, that? The, it came out that the writers just they didn't like the Witcher games and the Witcher books. So I wonder if there's a conflict of interest. You know, like Henry Cavill being a Witcher fan, he's like, well, I want to keep it. You know, like true to four, true to the books, and then the writers want to go in a different direction. So maybe there's a little bit of that going on as well. I think there might be, because I'm sure he had to fight a little bit to get certain stuff in season two. Uh, he did. Or, he, them, he, or he, season three. Yeah, he pretty much rewrote some of the scenes as well, I think. There was um, one of the scenes where one of the roaches died. I think he um, basically had to rewrite it the way he saw fit. Yeah. And everyone's so, yeah, tearing into uh, the announcement of Liam Hemsworth, aren't they? They're not happy. I don't. Th- I think they would have torn into anyone, whoever. It was. So, you yeah. know, I've not got anything to against Liam Hemsworth. He's fine. He's certainly got the build for it and everything. It's just mm. it's not Henry Cavill, and no one Henry likes Cavill's the uh, announcement of Henry Cavill either. When it was first announced that he was going to be the Witcher, everyone's like, "No, doesn't suit it." But we're going yeah. to love him, and we know that he's yeah. a fan as well. Yeah. I-, I don't understand why they just didn't say Geralt's story's finished. Here's we're going to follow a new Witcher, or um. What's the, what's the girl's name? Jennifer. No, the other one that's trained enough. Siri. Siri, that's it. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, he could he could have just followed Siri instead. She could have been the main Witcher character. Well, potentially that, that could still happen yeah. though. Mm. I mean, it's yeah. not not to say that um, Geralt as the Witcher is not is going to be the main character. It might kind of it he might kind of pass the torch onto Siri. Yeah. No, not no. having a lead woman in the role. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I just think you would have been better off just ending Geralt's story because I think more people would be happier with that than recasting. Again, it's not Liam Henfer's fault, and I kind of feel sorry for him because he's going to get backlash and get compared 
all the time. But, you know, if you've watched Vikings, it's very easy to move on from your main character yeah. that everyone was invested in yeah. by just pushing the story elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they turn the witch it, it, it into done, like a time lord, some weird transition between the character leaving and the new one coming in. I think it's going to be some kind of big old facial injury. At the end of season three, he's going to get a knife to the face. He's going to get a knife. Yeah, to the they're going to unwrap the bandages <laughs> yeah, and reveal it to the It's like the Joker in that Batman film just starts laughing in the mirror. <laughs> oh, man. It'd be hilarious if they did that. It's either that or they might actually just have someone hit him with a spell. Some kind of spell that changes him. Oh, Magical face changing spell. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You're going to be less handsome now. Try and live with that. <laughs> You're going to be the uglier Hemsworth. No! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, a bit of a weird one. Um, but obviously it's because he's gone back to be Superman. That's the other big news regarding mm. him this week. Um, I I think he's fine. I think he looks the part. Mm. And it, he's already said he wants to play a more joyous and happy Superman. So given the right kind of writer, director, I think he can pull it off. Um, it's a shame that it's been spoiled massively. Well, um, maybe there but, will be a kind of reboot of sorts as well. It's been a long, yeah, it's been long I, enough. It's going to be a soft reboot, yeah. basically. And this time he won't be smashing through buildings and killing thousands of people. Will <laughs> it's a shame. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Like I say, with him back and James Gunn in as the head to see where it goes. I'm quite happy to see where it goes. Yeah. Well, we know something that isn't going. It's George R. R. Martin. He's not going away anywhere soon. Um, he's apparently three quarters done writing for The Winds of Winter, which Stiggy does not believe. And apparently he's been he fuck? <laughs> too busy writing that book to play Elden Ring, which he was heavily involved in crafting the lore and the backstory. He's too busy in everything other than the one thing that people want him to do. <laughs> <laughs> he's busy doing his garden. Playing all his hats. <laughs> I've said it before and I'll say it again. He is furiously rewriting that book story <laughs> after the... <laughs> because of how it ended in the TV show. <laughs> Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> I, just, I don't think he's going to get it finished. You think oh, he's going to die first, you mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> well, how old is he now? I'm, I'm going to guess 72. He's 74 years old. Oh, good call. Oh, yeah. Good. Doesn't look in the best of shape, and it's taken him now... When we did the last book come out, 2013, I think it was. No, 2011, A Dance with Dragons came out. So we're on to 11 years since that book came out. If he gets his book finished in the next two years, and then it takes him another 10 to 15 years to write the next one. Mm, George R.I.P. Martin. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That is the pod title there. Yeah, I'd, unless he's unless he's managed to get both of them written together, so they're just going to come out in quick succession. I just, maybe I don't, maybe he could I'll, do I'll, the old GCSE trick. You know, when you say that it was all a dream when you run out of time. 
<laughs> you got to listen, Elisen. You got to like write down objectives and stuff. And you go, oh, fuck! I got like five minutes left. You like, it was all a dream. End day. <laughs> <laughs> or he leaves a few blank spaces at the end. and go, you decide who the king yeah. of dreams is. <laughs> <laughs> the future is in your hands. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> well, it's one of those books where you go, you went round the corner, you died. Oh, no, no, go back a few paces. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's, it's, he's, he's making a choose your own adventure. Yeah, yeah. Just sit on the Iron Throne. Well, he so can't be accused no... of bad writing then because you're the one that's in charge. Exactly. No yeah. one can complain then because you have all the options. <laughs> okay, well, I hate to do this, but sadly I have to... Um, end it on a bit of a dour point i was quite sad to hear this news uh that happened yesterday i believe but low raw founder and lead singer ryan carazier known for his last contribution that of course to the death stranding soundtrack passed away at the age of 40 mm. and i've been listening yeah. to his music all day today yeah i love low raw it's just so actually i was going to go see them and they um they recently cancelled their show so i assume that's probably um due to illness yeah, he's had um, a short-term illness, and I think he got pneumonia, I think, yeah, as a complication. Sounds, I think they said that, but, I mean, regardless, oh, yeah, it's just no age at all, is it? And Mm-mm. what, Kojima came out and said that there would basically be no Death Stranding if it wasn't for Low Royal. I fully believe mm. that, because it, it really does set the tone of the game. And I don't, I, I'm sure, like, Kojima was listening to um, listening to Low Royal as he was kind of writing the game, because you can tell. It, the, the landscape goes with the music perfectly. I think there was something like 18 low raw songs used That's in the it, game yeah. and then a handful of silent pert ones and then um, sort of several others scattered around. So low raw really was the sort of lion's share. Mm. Is that the first song you hear when you're going down as a low raw track? I think, it, I think the first, when you're going down to, um, is it Port Knot City before you go over the lake? I think yeah. it's actually Silent Poets. But I could be wrong. But yeah, that that particular moment in the game is just it just gives you shivers. Like I yeah, can't. I think definitely of any have moment. heard some of the raw tracks from where I what I've got up to, and it really just it just works so well. Yeah, they're still um they're still releasing. He was working an al- on an album which I think was pretty much finished, and they're still going to release That's that. Right. So yeah, um, be nice to listen to posthumously. Although be a bit sad, but he leaves us with um. A couple of albums of just incredible music, so yeah, agreed. At least there's that. Yeah, very sad. That's it, dude. Great, thank you very much. Uh, on to the nexus. So we talk about what we've been up to this week. Um, Biggie, why don't you start us off this week? Okay, well, I've got stuff to talk about. Woo! Yay! Woo! Yay. We've actually got things to talk about this <laughs> yeah. week. Yay! So. Um, although regrettably, the time that I did find was to watch Terrifier 1 and 2 um, to get myself caught up with uh, what seems to be a, a bit of a hit at the moment. But yeah, two very similar but very different movies. And I think Stig spoke about it in Discord as well, that the first movie is kind of, what, to shy of 90 minutes, I think it is, of nonsensical mm. plot, really. But Art <laughs> the Clown, which is the main character, just goes on... This killing binge, taking out characters that you <laughs> meet briefly in the movie, just decides to take them all out for no apparent reason. Nothing's explained, but <laughs> it's all very well done, but very, very gory. One of the first big kills in the Terrifier, he 
saws a woman in half who's upside down and starts with her nunu. It's just, yeah. Oh, it's, not a nunu. Uh, yeah. Like vertically. Yeah. Oh. And it's. Yeah, the deaths in these are. Are pretty horrific. All done by the director as well. So he he wrote the movies, directed it, and did the special effects as well. Um, I've got his name. Sorry, um, I have to find it out. But yeah. Um, so then it obviously seemed to be a big hit with Gore fans. Then he came up with a sequel, and it's like two. It's like an extra hour long, and <laughs> two and a half hours nearly. Yeah, it's just again. Why? Incredible special effects, gory as hell. The plot is just pointless because, it, although it links certain things in the movie, there's a lot of stuff that happens that isn't explained for reasons. Um, and yeah, so the it's kills just a collage again. Collage of death scenes, basically. Pretty much, and they are very clever. They're very smartly done. It's torture porn. It's gore, like you know, hostel, um, saw that kind of really over the top stuff. It's not easy to watch in places. Apparently, people were leaving cinemas around the states and stuff like vomiting and all this kind of thing you know an ambulance was called to one um but yeah it's uh it is what it is the 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 plot just makes no sense but the gore is completely over the top and it that's what a lot of people like but i do like the guy that plays the uh the clown um i should have made a note of his name but he's so i do kind of like art the clever with He's quite funny. Even there's a certain scene where he goes to shoot somebody. He's run out of bullets, and he just does this kind of sort of shake, like disappointed that his guns run out of bullets, and he kind of sort of shrugs and all this kind of mime stuff is really funny um, <laughs> when things don't quite go to plan. But yeah, very cleverly done. But yeah, I'm, I'm not a massive fan of these movies, but I appreciate what they were trying to do. There's always room thought. for a new iconic like horror villain as well, though, isn't there? There's certainly like. Since the eighties, we've uh, had a few, like we distinctly lacked a few good ones. I think this could be it. I just didn't like the films very much. He, um, like, he's got a great look, and mm. he's a silent, like, clown. He's a, a a mime. He never ever makes any noise. Not at all. Ever. Like, doesn't even like w- when he's like running or getting like if anyone like gets fights back at him. Always silent. And every time he laughs, it's just he just laughs. But nothing comes out. It's Ooh, constantly, it's yeah. It's really, really freaky and, and and unnerving. And everything's done with like facial expressions and body language. Yeah, all that's good. The gore is good. I like the kind of eighties grin they put over the top. Yes. The music, yeah, is yeah. really, really good. Mm. But none of that, especially for the second one, saves the movie for me. Like the the plot is nonsensical. Like Biggie says, stuff happens, makes no sense. Um. They tried to mix in some kind of fantasy elements, like yeah. elements, element to it. The first one is a general normal slasher, with the ending being slightly supernatural, and this one goes full on supernatural with fantasy. Uh, it does not need to be two and a half hours long. Everything yeah. that this film is trying to do, you could have got all those death scenes and all that gore in, into a ninety-minute film. Like that, the, there's parts where it just literally grinds to a halt. And you're watching these really terrible actors. Yeah, they're not the best. And just the, it just needs a massive edit. I just, I don't know why this is reviewing so well, mm. other than the fact that it's got all this gore and it's kind of mean and outlandish. It's got to be the gore, that, isn't it? Because I mean, Saw didn't really have much of a plot, did it? But people were just there for the gore. They're quite short as well, weren't they? Like most gore porn films are like ninety minutes. They were really fast paced. You're right. Yeah. 
I think criticisms from the first movie was that there wasn't enough plot about the clown, why he does what he does, and all this kind of thing, and it still isn't explained. I don't care. Yeah, it, it's it's still not explained. So they they try to sh- shove this sort of supernatural element to the story, but still not explain why that is relevant as well. <laughs> so you're just left. Yeah, with exactly. Two open ended questions throughout the whole movie. Um, the stuff with the I won't get into details, but the stuff regarding her dad doesn't not explained. Just. <laughs> Oh, th- this, and then that's it. It's like, like Biggie said, it just unless he's going to go into the th- in the third film, nothing's explained. The first one didn't need to be ex- explanation. I just took it as this is a murderous, homicidal c- clown. Yeah, you know, there's no need for it. Like Jason is just a homicidal man, like running around, like he's with a mask on. Michael Myers, you know, he's just there's no real kind of backstory to them. They're just evil people killing people. Like that's, that's fine. That's just a slasher. Yeah. Um, but this one just, I don't get it. I, I just, the, the gore is kind of fun and cool, but pfft, how that, does it just... compare to Tusk? Um, I'd rather watch this. Yeah. If you had recommended <laughs> us to watch this, I would have been happy with that. I would have walked away with yeah. that. Being okay. <laughs> I mean, they're still on par for me of like both terrible films, but terribly good. Mm, you'd probably like it. Terry Fire films, actually. Oh, yeah, I think I'd she love would. to see the third one of those kind films, but like because you said he doesn't like say a word. Like the first bit is the opening scene of him getting some like McCain oven chips out of the oven, burning his wrist. I'm like, we can't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think the actor just doesn't have like an equity card or whatever it is? You know, you can you can be an extras as long as you don't say anything. But to have an equity card, you have to have an equity card to speak. And he's just way he's just way way cheaper. <laughs> yeah, in the UK is. Oh my god! I don't know. He's um he's only ever done these like Terrifier. Yeah, he was uh, introduced by in the first movie as a new actor. That's Maybe right. he's got a really funny voice. And, uh, you know, credit to him, I've seen them do interviews. He's done them in character where he doesn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's mute. Yeah, yeah we're just taking the piss. He actually can't speak. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guy. <laughs> nah, I but think yeah, he's got a funny voice. So moving on from that, uh, something I did really enjoy that I watched uh, just this afternoon, uh, which is The Good Nurse. Uh, this has just come out on Netflix. It's based on a true story. Um, it stars Jessica Chastain and Eddie Redmayne as two nurses, uh, one who suspects the other of being responsible for a series of patient deaths, and it's based on a true story. Uh, it's gripping, man. Really good. Really, really well acted. Um, both absolutely nail it um, for different reasons. I, I just was, my wife and I were just gripped watching this from start to finish. I thought it was excellent. Mm. Yeah, I keep I keep seeing this advertised. I really want to see it. In fact, I almost did today as well. I wish I had now. But um, so yeah, you say it's based on a true story. When was it? Um, when did the um, when did it take place? Uh, two thousand nine, I believe. It's it's based on like they are technically. I see. I know this is based on a real life thing, but I don't know who the killer is. I got him by here, Charles Cullen. That's it. Like yeah, like it's America's like most notorious serial killer. Oh. Basically, America's right. version of Harold Shipman. Right. Probably because not the most notorious, but I, I, bad. Yeah, though. I don't know whether to reveal what it says at the end. Is, no, uh, oh, maybe like he's like his, like the word, like the one that's killed the most people. Right. 
I want to say prolific, but that doesn't sound right. <laughs> it's alleged, I think. Uh, I won't say the figure, but what he kills in the movie, um, and then it's it says at the end that they've worked out that basically it could be a hell of a lot more, but obviously oh, they've not God. maybe be able to prove it. I think the worst thing I watched it was um, the the good nurse um, who is Amy in the show. She um, she makes this friendship with the killer, and it reminds me of the friendship that you get when a new person joins work. So you kind of take them under your wing, and then yeah. you get to know them. And she has this opinion of him that he's a good nurse. So when people come in and they're asking her, "Do you think this guy could be involved?" She's like, "It's not him." He's really, really mm. lovely. And it reminds me of people that I work with. And I was like, oh, that would be, that'd be horrible. That'd be awful. That'd be horrible. Yeah. And I liked him as well. Watching it, I was like, oh, he seems really nice. Yeah. 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 And like, I think, I think even you mentioned it in the Discord that it, there's like a case that's obviously ongoing at the moment that kind of yeah. reflects this kind of situation, you know? And it, it's, it's tough to watch knowing that people that work in healthcare potentially may have uh, a dodgy background. Yeah, Lucy, Lucy Letby. It's awful. Yeah. Really sad. Mm. Yeah, I'd heard as well that like the the film is also a bit of a kind of commentary on the American health system as well. Again, like yeah. on mm. how how that kind of system and the way it's driven and the way it works just just drives people to do things. And I'll give you an example. She, um, Amy, that um, Nat's referring to, um, she goes for a check herself because she's got some health issues. And she hasn't got health care, so she has to pay for it. She literally has um, something like a scan and a consultation. It's like 980 US dollars for that oh, alone without That's any terrifying. treatment afterwards. Yeah. So, yeah, thank God for uh, the NHS, eh? Oh, yeah. Um, yep. We can break those for free. <laughs> I am interested in watching this. Um, is it a, a, it's a film, is it? It's not. It's a film, shows, yeah. It's on Netflix film, now. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I've added it to my watch list to work. So I'm interested in seeing that one. Yeah, really good performances all round. Cool, great. Uh, Natty, what have you been up to? Well, like Iggy, I watched The Goodness and thought it was epic. I highly recommend it. You probably need some sort of palate cleanser at the end, like a, a nice bake off, a glass <laughs> of sherry or something. <laughs> you probably need a bit of like, like, uh, like Paul. Hollywood to, to get that off your chest, but fortify a cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But um I yeah, I've been playing Nippon Marathon. So this is a game um developed by Onion Soup Interactive, which I think if you go on their like Twitter and stuff, I think it's just two people. Um the game is a multiplayer, so it's designed to be played in a party of people, up to four people. And um, you basically play as these wacky characters who run a marathon across Japan. So each race takes about probably five minutes and it's absolutely balmy. So <laughs> you can select characters such as Nishibori. So she's a narwhal and she has a big massive tusk on her head, but she's not a unicorn. She hates that. You can be Snooping <laughs> Maestro, which is a dog wearing a little jacket and his little tail sticking out the back. A guy dressed up as a lobster, um, or this really curvy <laughs> guy called Zenbei, who's like 80 years old and wears a schoolgirl outfit. 
and goes, whoa, like this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly did something cool. I'm still thinking. giggling that the fact that anyone that has to mention the word lobster has to do that. I know. Even though we all know what a lobster is, but we all naturally have to do that. So a lobster. It's like if you say Zoidberg, Dr. Zoidberg, you can't do it yeah. too. <laughs> so since you said it was just two people, so I've looked up onion soup. There's actually four people. Oh, so you've got uh, Andy, and wait, but wait for it. This is good. Andy Maiden, Madden, who's the director of development. Uh, it says, ditch the university job to follow his indie game development dream. Loves gaming, both old and new. Has about 30 game designs in his head waiting to be made. A, the second person is Amy Maiden, so I don't know if this is sister or partner, director and community manager. Eco Warrior has been raising Pokemon since she was 10 years old, is really a cat in disguise, was once a barista, now spends time making gifts and managing social media. And then the two others, we've got Snoogaroo, dog. He sits beside Andy and Amy and helps them work by alerting them to enemies. And then we've got Mocha, the flower. <laughs> so it's a development wow. team of four. That, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but it's it's absolutely wild. So we bought this game um probably a good three years ago. It was like five quid in the PlayStation store. And every Sunday, me and my mates get together, we have a games night and we buy a game and we take it down and we play it. And um we played a couple of really shit ones and then this game came up and I really wanted it and I didn't bring it up with anyone because I thought it was just a bit too me. So I left it and then Mo said, oh, come on, just buy it. And it was like five quid or something like that in the PlayStation store. And you can get it on Nintendo Switch as well now. And um, so we bought it and we haven't stopped playing it for three years. It's our go-to <laughs> game on a Sunday. But like Mario Kart where you can like pick up these little boxes and chuck like a banana or get a shell. On this one, you have like a pineapple balloon that you can like float over people. You still chuck bananas behind. There's people carrying like wobbly fish. Um, but you do like a whole tour of Japan. So you start off in in Tokyo and you go down. You get catch a bullet train. It's, oh, it's fucking mental. It's, cra- it's crazy. Absolutely mental. Do they have the and equivalent nobody... of a blue shell? Um, yes, it's a, a watermelon. Fuck it then. <laughs> but it always says it says the watermelon's attack who's in first place but it never does because it's so fucking glitchy it like goes (laughs) and then like flies across the screen and usually hits yourself so i (laughs) highly recommend it it's absolutely fantastic it does sound good i assume you've played um on the switch as well so i think i'll get it for that have you played overcooked oh yeah we've done all of them and we've got the first overcooked we got snowed in so um, we literally played it and got all the stars on every single one. Yeah. I was always the cat. So we always Cracking had our characters and the second one and all the extras. So, yeah, we always play those. And there's a couple of really good multiplayers out at the moment, like Couch Co-op, because we all play in the same room. Mm. We always go over each other's houses. So um, uh, Overcooked. And another one is Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. That's fantastic. You play as little like animals that. and you've got to control the giant spaceship. So you will have different jobs on the space, exactly the same as Overcooked. But there's like fire going off and there's aliens and all kinds of shit. I don't know why it's called Lovers in a Dangerous Space, but I have no idea. Oh, I, pl- I played that. I know that one. Yes. It was free. It was yes. a free download, I think. At it some was. Point yeah, on yeah, yeah. It's yeah, I played that with my mates. It is good fun. Yeah. Oh, these are all on Switch, so I'm going to get them because the kids love playing these kind of games together we play like that and moving out moving out they really like playing that love moving out we've done that one we played that one moving out 
Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll definitely get these uh, downloaded and see if they want to play them. So it, it, uh, yeah, it looks all right. It's very, screen. very Japanese. So you can either have it with a Japanese commentator, so it's all in Japanese, and you have no idea what's happening, or <laughs> you can have it with an English speaker, but he's still very Japanese. So some of the stuff he says, you like. <laughs> I might. I, I think it'd be funny to put in Japanese. So it's like Takeshi's castle. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, it's yeah. exactly. You, you have like no Takeshi's idea what's castle. been what's been said at all. But it's just they're getting so excited. <laughs> like on the a woman descends from the sky called Weddy Jones. She's clearly Welsh, and she's got a jetpack on, and she asks you a random question. You got like click random buttons, a bit like um, what's that really weird Japanese when you have to smash a button really hard? Like washy washy bashy bishy bashy boshy or something. Is bishy bashy, <laughs> bishy bashy. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like that. I thought all Welsh people <laughs> travelled around on jetpacks anyway, though. So yeah, I'll telling me that's not true. Apparently, does. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Awesome. That's literally what I did. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna download that. I'm gonna go and download it after this, so it's ready for this week. We should play some on stream. Yes, definitely. Uh, Candy, what about you? I've done something that I've really enjoyed this week, and I've been watching Cabinet of Curiosities. Um, so if you don't want to know what that is, it's the horror anthology series um, on Netflix by Guillermo del Toro. Um, so two episodes of which are written by him, and then the rest uh, directed by various um, filmmakers. And it's it's a sort of monster of the week thing, so it's a different story every time. Um, there's eight episodes in total. I've seen six so far. I don't think they were actually, they weren't all released together. I think they were released in blocks of two or three over the last several days, I think it was. Um, anyway, they're all out now. Uh, but yeah, I've just, from what I've seen so far, six out of eight of them, I've just absolutely loved it. And as a horror fan, not much phases me, but there have been some scenes in some of these episodes that I have actually struggled with. Like, Ooh. just in terms of making you feel uncomfortable. I wouldn't say they're particularly gory, but Del Toro and, uh, and other filmmakers, they just, they sort of know how to get under your skin. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be, like, viscerally gross to just oh, get you on edge. Um, the second episode in particular, it just left me feel feeling, like, particularly itchy and claustrophobic and just... Yuck. Yeah, I've watched one and two so far, so yeah, I've seen the second it one. It was the second one. one. It's just horrible, isn't it? So... Yeah, it's like I said, it's a monster of the week uh, format, which I've always loved. Um, the genres, while all kind of falling underneath the horror banner, are, they are pretty varied. So some of them uh, adaption of, in fact, two of them, I think, are adaptions of H.P. Lovecraft short stories. Some feature demons, you've got grave robbers. And my my personal favourite one, which is directed by uh, Anna Lily Amapour, um, she directed um, a girl... Uh, walks home alone at night the horror classic sort of cult classic um but that episode has got dan stevens selling her a skin cream through her tv an evil skin cream um <laughs> aren't they all <laughs> well they all are so because she's worth it <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> really... by the way I'm, the reason i'm grabbing at the screen there's a fly that trick i think to you're get doing me. some not... really weird asmr thing to me then I was no i'm not trying to gr- <laughs> i'm not trying to grudge it through youtube don't worry um <laughs> oh another thing i really like about this series is that every single episode is um introduced by guillermo zatorio so it's just like um you know like the hitchcock films yeah, yeah. where he kind of just shuffle on stage like good evening 
or Guillermo <laughs> del Toro does the same, but with a Spanish accent. Um, go on, so I just go. took no, I will be cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> He's lovely as well, Guillermo del Toro. He's so adorable. He looks exactly yeah. like Dead Man from Death Stranding. Um, so I just do a, a quick rundown of the episodes. Um, and the actors as well, because some of the actors that pop up are just like an absolute joy. Um, so the first episode is Lot 36, and that's directed by Guillermo del Toro and written by del Toro and uh, Regina Corrado. Um, and that's got Tim Blake Nelson from Oh Brother, Where Out Thou? And Elpidia Carrillo from Predator. Um, Graveyard Rats, which is the second one, which is the horrible one, is written by Vincenzo Natale and based on a short story by Henry Kuttner. Uh, the Autopsy, which is another it, kind of a cosmic horror, almost, um, directed by David Pryor, stars F. Murray Abraham from uh, of Mythic Quest fame. Uh, the next one, The Outside, um, another one of my favourites, actually, um, was uh, directed, as I mentioned previously, by uh, Anna Lily Yamapur. And that's got um, Kate Micucci from Big Bang Theory and Dan Stevens from uh, Downton Abbey, Beauty and the Beast and Eurovision. It's frightened Biggie, he's gone. Um, the next one, Pickman's Model, which has the most horrific finale, um, is directed by Keith Thomas, who he actually directed uh, the 2022 version of Firestarter, so we won't hold that against him. Um, but that one's based on an HP Lovecraft short story, and that's got um, Ben Barnes from Marvel's The Punisher and Chris Crispin Glover as well, being super creepy. And then Dreams in the Witch House, which is one that I watched this afternoon, is another one based on H.P. Lovecraft, and it's directed by Catherine Hardwick, who directed Twilight and uh, Lords of Dogtown. And the main character in this one is actually played by Ron Weasley himself, Rupert Grint. And ah. I have to say, I was actually like, re I was really surprised. I was really surprised and impressed by his acting. I haven't seen him. I know he is still acting, but I haven't seen him in a lot since Harry Potter. Um... And he just, he, he absolutely nails like the American accent and everything. He's, he's a proper adult now. I'm really proud of him. Um, <laughs> I think that like the one thing that I have seen him in before was um, he was playing Cheetah Chrome and it was in a film about CBGB's, the New York um, nightclub that used to feature all the punk bands. Actually, he was pretty good in that to be, as well, to be fair. Why um, I know it's a shame. Maybe he's just really like he probably doesn't need the money, does he? He just uh, takes on the uh, the things <laughs> that he wants to. Himself in notes, isn't he? Oh, exactly. Yeah, and um, I think him and Daniel Radcliffe just do the weird, uh, wonderful stuff now because they just like I said, they don't need the money, so they're just going, yeah, I'll just do that. Exactly. Do that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's nice that they haven't actually tried to continue to chase the fame because why would they need to? And we yeah. do get fun films like that from them. Um, but yeah, no, the the last two ep episodes I haven't seen yet, and and they're they're called the viewing, which is directed by uh, Panios Cosmatos or Cosmatos, and the murmuring directed by Jennifer Kent, um, and she directed uh, the Babadook as well, Ooh, and that's got um, Etie Davis and yeah, and that one's got Andrew Lincoln in it as well, so I'm looking looking forward to that one. <laughs> but yeah, I can I can really recommend that for a bit of like Halloween spooky viewing, and although like by the time this episode comes out, we're slightly out of season. Um, but never mind. But yeah, I will just I will say it's not really for the faint of heart. It's not super gross, but there there's going to be bits that just kind of get you on edge a little bit. 
But I, I really hope this gets renewed for another Halloween season in the future. There's something about Guillermo del Toro. Um, his work is just, it's pretty unmistakable, isn't it? And it's something like, his work isn't always super gory or super graphic. And I think sometimes as well, it can be a bit cheesy, but he has all the like, all the most charming qualities of like the proper old horror directors and like the Hammer House of Horror type stuff. Um, you can just absolutely tell that all the, all the episodes has has been touched by him kind of thing in terms of the look. And it's, I was know, just going to say the, the uh, I was going to say the same thing. I think that if, as long as he's involved as further seasons, hopefully uh, get um, booked, then yeah, I think yeah, the quality is going to be there. I think if he ever steps away, then the quality potentially could drop. But as, I think if he's I think involved, that's certainly think, why yeah. there's a lot of the, a lot of the uh, actors are signing on purely because it's him directing, I think. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, really, really good, really fun. Awesome! I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I just haven't had a chance to uh, watch it this week because we've been away for a few days. Yeah, well, they're but I mean, every episode's about an hour long, so it's not like you have to sit down and binge them. And they work for that as well, don't they? Because it's really tight. Yeah. yeah, perfect, perfect short story length. Yeah, I'll definitely be catching up with that with me and my wife. will be watching that this week. But uh, yeah, I, like I mentioned, I was away for a few days this week. We went down to London, took the kids down to London. And while we were there, I just want to quickly touch on a couple of things we did while we were there, which were absolutely amazing. Uh, the first off being a Jurassic World Expo, uh, Expo that's taking place at the Excel Center. Now, I booked this because I needed to kill time in the morning until we went to the theater in the afternoon. I just had a look to see what was happening. Oh, look, there's Jurassic World things going on. I didn't know what this was. I generally thought this was just going to be a go there and there's kind of some models and pictures from the you know, scene sets. And I didn't know anything about it. I just thought, oh, that'll be interesting. Got there and it was absolutely incredible. Like I did, did not expect it to be this that good or do what it was doing. You... Basically, I don't want to spoil too much of it or what happens in there, but you go into a room which is inside this ferry and you get this. It all looks like you're inside this ferry and you get this in introduction video welcoming you to the island and the screens all around you. So it looks like you're on a boat, like there's water in the screens and everything. And you do this instructional video and you open up the door to the thing and it comes and there's a huge Jurassic, you know, like the Jurassic World gates. Yeah. Ah. you're inside this jungle there's huge jurassic world gates there's a brachiosaurus right in front of you and then you proceed to walk through different areas you go into the into the laboratory where they've got eggs and baby dinosaurs there's actors there playing the lab laboratory assistants and scientists there's park rangers and they're all acting they're all in character and speak to you and there's all these animatronic dinosaurs and sets and it blew my mind because some of the stuff they do with some of the big dinosaurs was just amazing how many kids were crying uh none not many i think i saw one kid cry and callie my daughter got scared by the thing right at the end but it's just yeah it looks amazing if if you don't if you're not going to go and you want to see some pictures, I'll, I'll share some pictures with you and some videos because 
I, I don't really want to show people yeah. if you think, oh, that sounds good. I want to go there because I want people to be blown away like I was when you walked through it. But yeah, it was just, it was such yeah. a good experience. I'm so, so glad we went to that. Can uh, you pretend to so be a dinosaur whisperer as well? Uh, no, but there is a bit, of, uh, there's a bit with Blue the dinosaur, put it that way. <laughs> Blue the raptor, yeah. Uh, and a lot of this Chris Pratt <laughs> <Yeah>. stopping. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we did that in the morning because in the afternoon we went to go see the stage show of my neighbour Totoro. Uh, this is the Studio Ghibli classic, um, and it's been brought to the stage by its original composer Joe Hisashi and the playwright Tom Morton Smith. And again, I just booked this because oh, like a Studio Ghibli film coming to the stage, and I just thought it can't be crap. Mm. Like, there's no way that a studio like that would license off one of their biggest characters and films if whoever's had this idea is doing a half-assed version. And it wasn't half-assed. It again, this was incredible. We all of us absolutely loved it. The kids loved it. I loved it. Kate loved it. We just was blown away by the stage, the music, the puppetry. All the puppets are done by Jim Henson's. Um, from them the first reveal of Totoro is just like when it's revealed the whole audience were just gasping <laughs> and just like oh like it's just <laughs> even down to the way they do the soot sprites um they have stage hands in black and they have they're on these kind of like long poles and like going everything so you, you kind of have to suspend your disbelief and the actors are oh, the stage hands are kind of the soot sprites as well so you have the proper ones but then the stage hands kind of act as them as well and yeah the puppetry in it the the music the comedy that they, they threw a few bits of comedy in there as well um often with the stage hands and when they all of a sudden just changed into actual speaking parts um the cat bus was just again absolutely incredible the way they showed the cat bus doing its journey over the 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 towns and the cities going to the way to the hospital how they did uh, May being lost in uh, in the second half of the film. Uh, they, just, honestly, it's mind-blowing. If you... Just go see it. If you have any interest in trying to go see it, if you can get tickets, tickets are limited and ones that are left are probably really expensive. Uh, but yeah, we just... It was so good i'm so jealous that you got to see this because I, I i kept meaning to and i just for whatever reason it slipped my mind to actually ever get tickets and i know it's happening sort of it's not on for that long either is it i don't think i think it's only until christmas uh yeah i hope that it gets a like long uh i, I hope that it kind of gets picked up and maybe put on the stage full time yeah. but you can go see this like it'll be like the lion king or those kind of shows that it'll just be a you know a fixture has it been on tour? The, is this is London the first place it's been, or is it? Um, I do you know what I honestly don't know. Yeah. Um, you would think it would go all over, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. All the all the actors, all the production are all um either Japanese or uh, Japanese descent, like the so the English actors. Um, they're all like the Japanese. Uh, so that was really good because authenticity mm. on that side. Um, just yeah, I, I I'm just blown away by by it and 
how they did Totoro. Like, I just couldn't see how they would do this. Yeah. And then when you watch it, you just go, and that's just incredible. Honestly, it was just, it's so at good. Your face and your face is like a kid. It's like you're like <laughs> I'm so jealous. I was, honestly. I, was, I spent most of the time with a smile on my face because it was that good. Like, the, the two um, actors that play um, and Satsuki, like, they were just incredible. Like, considering they had to, you know, they're grown women having to play a four and a ten-year-old. They did such a god, uh, such a good job of conveying children that age. Yeah, I really want to get my daughter into uh, Ghibli movies. I just want to get her to stay focused and watch the movies for what they are. It's difficult. Uh, it's not great for five, five whatever twice. it is, isn't it? Don't let her watch that. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah, not no, that one. Don't let anyone watch that. It But my youngest daughter, she was obsessed with this. When she first watched it, it was like every day she wanted to watch this to the point where she actually wore out my DVD. It's like, it's knackered. She's like, she's got it out of the case and put it in like so many times. It's so scratched. But, and then obviously, what do you watch when you get home the next day? Of course, we had to watch the film. Oh. Then we sat down and watched the film as well. <laughs> I love that all the um, all the Ghibli films are on Netflix as well now. I think. Aren't yeah. They? But um, Ooh, yes. I'm just looking. It's until the 21st of January, unless it gets extended. Ooh. Yeah, I've heard as well that in Japan they did a Spirited Away stage show. Oh wow! I would love to see that. Yeah. Uh, it's only Japanese though, so you can actually get it on Hulu. I think if you can get onto that. Um, I don't know. I presume it's probably subtitled. So I'm going to try and get that i know it's not the same but mm. i'd like to see to see it anyway i think that i mean if you've seen the film you don't, you kind of know what's going on it's more a case of seeing the spectacle of the show isn't it with that kind of thing yeah the only the only downside to the show was that the kids behind us were just really fucking annoying <laughs> to the point that even my kids who are nine and six got fed up with them were just like they won't shut up like they just keep commenting on everybody. My daughter was just like, like my nine-year-old, like she was just getting so wound up because she knows, like she'll, she's been to the cinema loads and that. She'll whisper things to me if she wants to ask. Oh. And I know, I know their kids, but their parents just didn't even try to stop yeah. them talking. But at least you've had a chance to publicly call them out on a podcast now. So yeah. That <laughs> yeah, they were just they were just so annoying. And then one of the kids at one point just goes, I recognise this music from somewhere. <gasps> I fucking wonder where. I wonder where. <laughs> like, come on, kid. Come on. I shouldn't bad mouth kids, but fuck me, they were annoying. <laughs> I love it if you've gone full stig on them. <laughs> Amelia kept turning around and looking at him. Trying to give him like the obvious like glare of shut up. <laughs> and at one point, their mum just like got out some pack of biscuits or crisps or something in the middle, and they just sat there eating crisps. I'm like, I can't stand that when it's a live stop, show. Like stop. it's actors. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna just. I know we were up, up in the we were up in the bloody gods, but you know what I mean. Even so, like people around you weren't. Mm. Yeah, I took a sneaky pick at the end. Like I didn't not throw out any of the show, but like right at the end, I just like, I have to get a picture of Totoro. Like I can't go away and not get a picture of him. Yeah. So yeah, it was great. Honestly, I absolutely loved it. I also watched a film called Barbarian this week. Mm. It's on my list. Uh, I'll quickly go through this. I won't go into too much depth on it because to do that would be to spoil it too much, and it's really difficult to review this one without spoiling it. All I will say is just go in, 
without reading anything, without watching the trailer, just knowing that this is a really good horror film. And for me, who struggles to connect with a lot of horror films, despite the fact that I watch so many of them, like modern horrors I struggle with all the time. This is one of the best horrors I've seen in a long time. Um, The first half especially is just proper gripping and tense. Um, The story is... um, it starts, sorry, it stars uh, Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, and Justin Long. And it's directed by Zach Krieger. And the story is that Tess Marshall books a, room, a home in Detroit, an Airbnb, because she's for, to stay at because she's got a job interview the next day. She turns up in the middle of the night, stormy night. Uh, she can't see her, her surroundings, just goes to the house, and she discovers that someone else has already booked into their uh, man called Keith, played by Bill Skarsgård, and she is initially unnerved by him, as she would be, who is this random man in this house that's meant to be staying in. He is overcompensating to make himself not seem creepy, Uh, you know, as you would if you're a woman on your own in that situation. I'm in a house with a man I don't know, and he's kind of... He understands how a you know, a woman would feel, so he's trying to make her feel comfortable, and with that obviously makes it more uncomfortable. And that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to go into anything other than it starts to get weird, it starts to get tense, it starts to get um, really horrific. And there is a bit of a tonal shift halfway through, which I think the film actually really needed. And it then starts to kind of have a bit of some social commentary on women and women, how women are perceived and treated in Hollywood and treated and perceived by the police at times and th- that kind of thing. But the, yeah, there's a bit about half hour to 40 minutes in this film where I was just feeling proper dread and tense like i just it's just this creeping sensation in uh, of horror and there's a bit that proper made me shit myself <laughs> proper jumped um and yes characters go from kind of being smart to stupid but it's a horror film mm. if they were all smart then it'd be a boring horror film yeah so you kind of just have to you know forget about that but yeah, really, really good. Really well performed by all involved and definitely recommend just watch this film without don't go in, don't read anything, don't don't watch anything. What can you watch it on? So, it's out of the cinema. I know. I watch that. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm just going yeah, it now. It, yeah, it's really, that. really good. Right, that's it. That's what we've been up to. Um, so we're going to move into our main feature. Our main feature this week is we're going to talk as this is 80s month, we're in a new month now. We've moved on from horror. We're now into the 80s. And we thought the best way to kick off the 80s would be to smash into it and talk about our uh, favourite action films of the 80s. Uh, uh, Biggie, why don't you start us off? Well, you can have your Die Hard, your Terminator, Lethal Weapon, the Karate Kid. The 80s basically spoiled us for so many incredible and memorable movies. You can have Van Damme, made a name for himself with Never Retreat, Never Surrender, Bloodsport, famous for launching himself into the air, spinning back kicks all in slow-mo. 
but they weren't the real action stars. I'll give you an action star. Jackie Chan is the definition of action star. He spent most of the 70s in martial art flicks that pretty much aped the popular Shaw Brothers kung fu flicks at the time. It wasn't until he joined Golden Harvest that his career took off. And after a sad failing in the American um, box office, Jackie Chan returned back to Hong Kong and started being more elaborate with his stunts. For me, Police Story is possibly one of the greatest action movies of all time. It was voted the fourth best action movie of all time in 2016 when Time Out polled 50 film critics, directors, actors and stunt actors to list their films. It's a plot. It's basically set around Jackie playing, um, <coughs> excuse me, a sort of uh, Royal Hong Kong police force were doing a sort of an undercover sting to arrest this crime lord named Chu. Inspector Kevin, as he's named over in the, the West. <laughs> Real action name, that, Kevin. Um, is part of the operation, along with the other undercover officers stationed in the shantytown. The shootout here leads to an incredible car chase through a shantytown. The stunt work for this is just insane. And it has a famous car chase through the shantytown, pretty much taking out all the buildings as it goes through. Um, he finally... Um, Gets out of the vehicle, starts a chase on foot where his um, nemesis, Chu, is currently uh, driving a bus and he chases it on foot, manages to get onto the bus and ends up swinging around it, navigating the bus with literally only an umbrella. Kevin finally arrests Chu but gets reprimanded about how the operation got out of hand. Um, the police then present Kevin as a model police officer because he obviously managed to arrest Chu. Following the arrest... They put Chu's secretary up as a witness, Selena, and Kevin's assigned to protect her. After a couple of pranks that go wrong um, during this, and Kevin gets set up, the case falls apart. Another attempt on Selena's life by Chu, because they're concerned about what she knows. Kevin um, intervenes um, as a fellow officer turns up, named Man. He reveals that he's working for Chu. Man is suddenly shot dead by Chu's men in, with Kevin's gun, and Kevin is framed for murder. Kevin and Selena finally join forces to download evidence of Shu's shady dealings from one of the offices in a shopping mall. You literally, at the end of this movie, have nine minutes of just full-on action. It's just insane. Stunt after stunt after stunt. If you've ever seen Jackie Chan in any of his movies, I mean, he's incredible stuntman, incredible martial artist, but it's just full nine minutes. Yeah, and choreographer, he not only directed the movie, he did his stunts, but he's just absolutely insane. He's even got his own stuntman team. And one of the stunts... I really need to watch his early stuff. You I must. Really, really you you have to. I mean, there's a particular stunt in this that Jackie sets up where he basically falls four floors, sliding down a centre pole in the shopping mall, which is decorated with electric bulbs all around it. Um, one of his stuntmen actually gave him a big hug and a Buddhist prayer paper which he stuffed in Jackie's trousers before performing the stunt. <laughs> Unfortunately, Jackie received um, second-degree burns as he slid down the pole, landed with a back injury and dislocated his pelvis. Jackie Chan is famous for, obviously, doing all of his own stunts in all of his movies. He's pretty much broken literally almost every bone in his body and has almost killed himself many times. Um, this movie said it's one of the greatest 1980s action films. It's also one of the most 1980s action films. Saying the cop on the edge cliche and with the synth uh, synthesizer music alone, um, 
The entire film has the mentality of a master showman who wants to dazzle in every moment, big or small. A stunt near the end, which was the one in the mall, gets repeated at full length three times from three different angles. This would seem like a display of narcissism if it wasn't for the fact that it's one of the greatest stunts in the history of movies. And it was almost called Glass Story by the stunt team because the amount of sugar glass that gets smashed in this mall <laughs> with all the windows in the shopping mall is just absolutely insane. He kicks people at the top of escalators and they go bouncing down. I mean, the amount of bruises his stunt team must have received during this movie is insane. The plot is nothing special. It is a cop on the edge and all that kind of thing. But for me, it's one of Jackie's greatest earliest movies in the 80s and um it's just got a list of just movies that you should check out stig as well as anybody else if you haven't seen them um drunken master one and two who am i project a one and two miracles he's done police story two and three this crime story when he went over to the states um the quality of jackie's movies changed a little bit they got a bit watered down with trying to you know appeal to the u.s market but all of Jackie's movies pretty much in the 80s are just incredible. And he always shows outtakes at the end of his movies where all the yeah. stunts have gone wrong. Yeah. But I, I have seen bit. Police Story so many times. And I just enjoy it. It's so, so good. And there's a particular fight uh, sequence where Jackie is, you know, in movies where they only throw one person at somebody to attack and then he fights another person. We're here, like, they all take turns diving in and trying to smack him. And he does this incredible sort of kick where he jumps in the air, does like a high spinning kick. As he lands on the floor, he does a floor sweep and then jumps up and does another kick and takes three people out in one move. It's just insane. He is so, so good at what he does. And I think he always I, has been criminally underrated, hasn't he? Like, especially when he, like you said, when he went to the States. And I think it was a case of like, he was taking on slightly more lighthearted roles. So, yeah. you know, people saw him as a comedy actor just as much as, you know, a, a stuntman. And it's such a shame because, like you said, his stunts and choreography and the way he uses props as well. Like, I don't think there's any other martial artist that uses props like he does. Whether it's ladders, um, a school playground, for fuck's sake, or he's diving in and out of all, <laughs> a jacket, you name it. Anything he picks up that he can use, he will use. And, yeah, any of his movies from the 80s are incredible. But Police Story will always be up there as one of his finest, I think. Um, yeah, I just love Jackie Chan and I, I think he's incredible. And I don't think we'll ever see anyone of his ilk ever again. I think mm. that we've got mm. lots of different, you know, um, the raid is maybe the closest you kind of get to something like that. With, um, I've yeah. got the guy's name now, the actor in that, but he's um, probably it the... is uh, Iko Uwas. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's about as close as you get to someone like Jackie Chan nowadays because I, I just feel like he's a one-off. There'll probably never be anyone quite like him. I think he has the charisma of Jackie Chan, though. Yeah, I mean, because Jackie has a lot of comedy in his movies and the humour is definitely sort of from the Asian side. Some of it you kind of cringe at, but it was entertaining for their audiences and, and that's what he was aiming for. But, yeah, I mean, Jackie definitely has a, a likeable, funny face as well. He's always... He's not the greatest-looking person. He's got a massive big nose. He's always said that. But it works for when he's performing and he's, he's also very good as a... When he's fighting with the expressions as well on his face of shock, fear, etc., when everything's happening so fast. I don't know if you ever saw um, an interview with him and um, Jonathan Ross, and they were chatting about one of Jonathan Ross has been a big fan of his, and they were just sitting side by side in the studio having a chat. 
and he was talking about how fast he fights. Jackie Chan just did this kind of like 10 punches in a row in front of um, Jonathan Ross. And you could see Jonathan Ross trying to follow the punches, just like, (laughs) (laughs) just couldn't react in any way or form. They were so fast. But yeah, I I love his movies. And Police Story uh, came out in 1985. It's it's just smack bang in the middle of one of the greatest uh, action movies. And that's mine. Great. Definitely one I need to catch up on. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Natty, what about you? What about you? So, um, I had a bit of trouble with this because I only found out about this an hour ago. Well, an hour before we started, ish. Um, and like I said, I was we put in. face deep in Danishes. So I quickly googled 1980s action films, and I was like, Shit, I know all these. <laughs> pick one, just pick one. <laughs> so I was like, right, Predator. Haven't seen it all the way through. Seen parts. Um, like uh what else was coming up like rambo like nope like i know i know the basic story nope um kept going through alien i was like "Mm, it's not really action um and then i was like i could fall back on star wars because i've watched all of them and loved all the originals and grown up with them but um i was like that's a bit of a i don't know i can't really settle on that it's more sci-fi as well so I have really fond memories of sitting on the sofa, probably about four or five years old, so probably mid-90s, and my dad's favourite films are the Lethal Weapon films. So yes. obviously I'm not allowed to very... <laughs> So I'm going to need some help for you, because a lot of the Lethal Weapon films, I was way too young to watch. So my dad skipped past a lot of the bits that were probably appropriate for, I think it was a 15, maybe? But um, so forgive me if I get any of this wrong. Please correct me in settings. I'm going to need a lot of help here. So Lethal <laughs> Weapon, um, 1987. So it stars uh, Mel Gibson as Riggs and Danny Glover as Rog. And um, basically they're um, cops that get buddied together after Riggs um, tries to retire from the police force after the death of his wife. Um, and the uh, psychiatrist basically says that he is suicidal, but the police force say that he's faking it, so stick him back into the force with, with Roger. And um, they really don't like each other in the beginning, as all these cop buddy sort of shows go. And then they start getting along. And uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really good because I quite enjoy the humour of it, being sort of five, six years old, like bits where, for example, Riggs is eating dog biscuits, um, or the bit <laughs> where the one guy falls on the ice and thinks he's dying, but actually it's because he slipped on ice. Um, <laughs> things like that. So, so yeah, I quite enjoy Lethal Weapon because it gives me really nice memories of being sat with my dad and kind of looking at me and being like, "Daddy just said a really bad word." I'm telling you, so I spent the majority of basically the noughties watching. That's why I've probably only seen them in parts, like all the Rudy bits, the boobies, uh, the swear words, and the gory bits were all cut out. So I remember all these like really hacky little bits, like the bit when they're, like, there's a really, really funny scene where um, they go into, I think it's a dentist, and they're all... Um, that's the fourth like, one, oh, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. I absolutely love that bit, probably because being a kid, the rest of the film went straight over my head. And uh, that bit was just absolutely hilarious. But they're all high on NOS trying to get this dentist to talk. <laughs> and uh, and they're all just having a good old giggle. It's amazing. What what would you say, Brad Biggie? Please help me out. <laughs> the, 
I'm, I'm a massive fan in. of these. I've watched them again so many times, and the quality of them does drop as they go along. But the 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 relationship between Riggs and Myrtle is is just so good. Um, and it, it, like you say, there were a lot of buddy buddy sort of cop stuff that became popular, but that relationship just was really sold well by the two actors. They just, I assume they got on well enough in real life because if they didn't, then they really sold it on the screen. They were just so good together. And the action, the plots all around it were absolutely fine, but the action was great. Um, but if you really don't remember them that well because of that, then go back and watch them in I full. I really need to. And you will really appreciate just how good they are. And um, their, their relationship the continues. <laughs> Yeah, the, the relationship continues throughout all the movies. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's just so, so good. I just love it. And particularly one and two were probably most people's favourites. Um, Joe yeah. Pesci arrives in two, I think it is. No, in one or two. Three. Is it I three? He comes three. In. Yeah, he yeah. turns up in three. And he's funny for the first 10 minutes, then does get quite annoying. But Riggs is really okay, nasty okay, too. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, they're really good. I, th I think the fourth one really struggled and um, it was almost turning into more of a comedy than an action movie mm. by that point. I think it, 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 they were really sort of pushing the comedy side of it because um, all four movies well. were by Richard Donner. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Riggs' portrayal in the first movie is incredible. Yeah. He really nails that sort of, again, cop on the edge, really popular. And he, he really sells that sort of, he doesn't really want to be alive anymore. He's so reckless. And when... That's the sort of play on Myrtle, who's really sort of close to retiring, that he's just literally is too old for this shit. He can't deal with this guy being so reckless. But then, because of that relationship, he kind of starts to change Riggs a little bit. And then Riggs starts to learn a bit from Myrtle and vice versa. They learn from each other. And yeah, it, it's just really well done. If it wasn't for that relationship, and the TV series completely proves this about how poor it can turn out if you haven't got the right people in the roles. And I, again, you can't. I don't think you can reboot it. I don't think it's a movie that could ever be remade again. I think it's mm. just one of those things where they're going to be classics for all time and should stay that way. They should never be tampered with because they're as good as they are. Yeah, you uh, just don't get the like, like the TV series. You just don't get the um, like chemistry between the two. Not do at you? all. Not at all. I didn't even know there was a TV series. Yeah, there isn't. And then they, no, not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I just looked up, sorry, Leo gets, it does arrive in number two. I just remember it is because he takes him to the uh, South African embassy. Yeah. When they go to the oh, embassy. Right. Yes, like, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, Leo's with him then. Yeah, so he does, he does come in a second. I always find it quite funny how, um, how Murtaugh's always like, I'm too old for this shit. And he's only like 41. He's only like 40, 41. <laughs> it's not even that old. Yeah, but I feel like that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, again, that's it. That just reminded me of Myrtle. Um, Riggs is like becomes like a, almost an addition to their their family, and they become his family yeah. that he lost. You know, so he becomes really close. That whole relationship. But yeah, yeah, I love his movies, man. So fucking good. I distinctly remember a bit when they were, he stood on the top of a building. And there's a guy that's going to jump. That's it. Um, Do you really want to like, jump? Do you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just grabs him and grabs him and jumps off, doesn't he? <laughs> The Fantastic. best, the best line in it though is diplomatic immunity. Yeah, 
it's just been revoked. <laughs> <laughs> Even like when we were watching that with Kate and that happens and she was he, he was just saying out loud, she goes, she was just like, Yeah. <laughs> like it was one of those ones where she like, that was class. I think they like, do that on Family Guy, don't they? <laughs> I think Peter says it in like a completely it's like a moment that doesn't deserve it at all. And he's like, okay. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> It's such a good like killer line that it's just been revoked. <laughs> yeah, and again, because weapon. of that, that popularity of those movies, people try to copy it. And again, it just yeah. doesn't work. There's a lot of people have tried to do it. And... Have you ever seen Loaded Weapon, which is the spoof? Yeah. Sounds like a porno. You should oh. check that out. <laughs> <laughs> Samuel Jackson, believe it or not, plays the Myrtle. Uh, Myrtle, Myrtle. I can't even say his name. Myrtle. Yeah, Samuel Jackson and Emilio Estevez yeah. in it. Yeah, I remember really the fun. in the movie scene, and the, we watched that. They they showed that to us at um, play scheme as well. So we were all like under six and just ass walking around. <laughs> I I did watch that when I was a, a lot younger, and, and like I really love some of the jokes in that. I'm getting off a bit of a tangent here, but there's like. The reason why Samuel Jackson's character can't use a gun is, and it has PTSD, and it it shuts, cuts to his uh, his partner being held up at gunpoint by a mime, and the mime's <laughs> just got the finger out like that, and she's like, "Shoot him, shoot him!" And Samuel Jackson's like, like shaking because he doesn't know what to do. Like, it's just a mime with a with a fake gun. <laughs> he just reminded me of the um, the famous toilet scene in two where Myrtle's mm. sitting on the toilet and the relationship between them because Riggs goes to try and see what he can do. And that's a really touching scene because apart from the jokes that they drop with each other, trying to calm him down and everything, but you can see the way that they look at each other and talk to each other. Like their relationship has got to that point where they realise that Roger could actually die here. And they sell that scene so well about um, Riggs telling everybody to get out the room and... Um, Roger doesn't want anyone to see him like that and all that. Yeah, it's just really, really quite touching, really well done. Yeah, I love I love them. You know, I, I think they're great. Despite the people, one of them that's in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the films themselves, I just, yeah, the, I, I really, really like. I mean, I even have a soft spot for three and four. You know, four has its moments. Yeah, even Jet Li, weird choice. but not Yeah, there's no people. way I'm believing that at uh, Mel Gibson's beating up Jet Li. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, uh, Leaf Weapon's great choice. Um, but I'm, I think he's probably really glad that you brought that because it's in his, in his element. Well, <laughs> he's banned from it. <laughs> I haven't watched it for years. And it was the only one I was like, you know what? I can actually talk about that a little bit just because I have lovely memories of it. Well, yeah, you've got that too, which is fantastic. Just, yeah, go. Watch him again. You'll still have those feelings watching it, remembering those those times when you get to those scenes. But you'll enjoy the rest of the movie as well. I watch the rest of it. Yeah. You made me watch what? <laughs> this is fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be banned from the podcast if you come back with a, a big, 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 whatever. Let you back no. on. <laughs> awesome, Candy. What have you brought? I've brought Top Gun. Oh. <laughs> I know I've spoken about Top Gun before. I know. I just. I know I droned on about it. The I droned on about the original when I brought the uh, brought the sequel and I brought Maverick to the Nexus. But even now, it's still one of just my absolute favorite feel good films. And like Natty, it's. I'm sure my parents regret ever let, letting me watch it because it was just the one that just got repeated over and over again several times a week. Um, 
my best friends and I actually used to get our dining room chairs and sit one in front of the other with our bike helmets on <laughs> and like we pretend to be in the cockpit and everything like just watching just reciting this film to one one another and nobody wanted to be goose, goose. <laughs> no one wanted to be eyes. goose <laughs> yeah goose was the one who had to fuck off home to home early but yeah no it was um... <laughs> So Top Gun was released in 86 and it features iconic roles from Tom Cruise, obviously, as Maverick, Anthony Edwards as Goods, Goods? Anthony Edwards as Goose, Kelly McGillis as Charlie and Val Kilmer as Iceman and it was directed by the late Tony Scott. Um, and the story itself is actually based on an article in California magazine that described the day-to-day operations of the US Naval Air Station at Miramar in San Diego. Um, and I, I, in fact, I think that's... I think it was either the author or it was the publisher of the article that tried to sue Top Gun, the right. new Top Gun over um, the rights to, to use the concept or something. It was a really sort of it was a really weak argument in terms of trying to sue them. But anyway, they went for it. Um, but yeah, it just looking back at it now, it really does have a massive cheese factor. But I mean, that's pretty much what the 80s were about, I think, anyway. So it has an absolutely banging soundtrack. Um you can't listen to Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins without getting pumped. And, it's um, so great. I, I bashed that on like as soon as I came out of Maverick. That was the first song I put on in the car. I was so happy <laughs> that it was actually in Maverick as well. Yeah. Like straight off the bat, it was on the intro. You just you just knew you were home. Um, Take my breath away as well. Good bit of eighties cheese, pinnacle cheese, in fact. Um, it was. But yeah, I think every scene it just makes makes you want to kind of holler fuck yeah and. High five your best friend, doesn't it? Before like stripping down and greasing up and playing straight man's volleyball. <laughs> Very straight. Very straight man. Um, yeah. There was also a, a problematic blossoming romance. And I only realised this because I was watching it again earlier. Um, there's one scene where, Ma- where Maverick follows Charlie into the women's bathroom <gasps> to try and pass. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like completely what? violating her privacy. Um, until she kind of tells him actually that like she was she outranks him. She's a higher rank to him. She was one of his instructors. But um, yeah. The joking aside, I think the action sequences, um, like the ones featuring the fighter jets, to this day are incredible. Like no CGI was used mainly because it was probably still fairly janky at the time. Um, but the fights between the F fourteen Tomcats and the Russian jets um were actually shot over a uh, a naval air station. And to capture the scenes, um, cameras were mounted on top of the fighter jets and also on top of the Learjet, so you could get like a third kind of person view. But the um, the, the shots of the fighter jets landing on the aircraft carrier was the actual USS Enterprise, which, which had been decommissioned at the time. But it was so, I mean, the film itself was so like America fuck yeah that the, the US Navy started putting up recruit, the recruitment booths outside showings of the films. And... Um, they saw something like a 500% increase in enlistments <laughs> that year. It was absolutely bonkers. Stevie was one just... of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a cruise ship. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just a, the right film that kind of came at the right time because it was far enough away from the Vietnam War that war was fun again. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I just love Top Gun. I just, I can't fault it at all. And the new one as well. I just love that too. <laughs> yeah, I watched Top Gun uh, before I went to see Maverick the night before because I hadn't seen it for fucking years. And yeah, mm. I still enjoyed it. 
Wife and I were kind of like, no, eh, it still still holds up. It's it is very cheesy, but it's it's fun. It's just fun action. It is, yeah. It's very very eighties, yeah. isn't it? Very eighties, but yeah, fun. Like, and oh, the sequel is just incredible. Absolutely loved that. Yes. Um, I am going to bring a cheesy action film starring one Arnold Schwarzenegger because I don't think we could have 80s action week without bringing up the king of 80s action Mr. Schwarzenegger I want to talk about 1985's Commando (laughs) Uh, Commando it's a film about retired special forces colonel whose daughter is kidnapped and he is told that he has to assassinate a political rival to get her back and he only has uh, a certain amount of time to do this in um this is just pure machismo <laughs> like the whole thing is just arnold walking around with his muscles <laughs> bulging throughout the whole thing killing men left right and center with full of cheesy lines and it's just fucking great i absolutely mm-hmm. love it it is one of those films where if it's just started if it was on tv and it's just started i'm watching it if it's an hour in and i've missed the start i'm watching the rest like i just absolutely love commando and it's got its tongue very firmly in its cheek it it knows exactly what it's doing it doesn't try and portray to be anything serious it knows that this is just a big huge action hero and he's gonna just blast his way through men wasn't this the start of um sort of Schwarzenegger's and Stallone's sort of rivalry about how they could outdo each explosions and how many people they could kill in each movie. It was just kind of all uh, started to rank up. Because I was going to mention that Commando actually has the bloodiest uh, death total in any action film with 81 kills. <laughs> Schwarzenegger manages to kill 81 men in this in a variety of different ways, <laughs> um, especially when he gets to the compound. But... Yeah, the film obviously starts with uh, him and Jenny. They're all like kind of uh, just having a good beaut time as father and daughter, you know, like the feeding the deers and she's putting ice cream on his nose. It's all funny. And he's wandering around straight away with logs on his shoulders to show how hard he is and how strong he is. <laughs> to his daughter. <laughs> yeah. And then you get, uh, then he's the comp, his house gets attacked by men and, and it's just. It's just from the get go, like he rolls into that room. The guy's like, "Oh, we've got your daughter, so you're gonna do what it, what we say, right?" And he's like, "Wrong!" and just shoots him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all capped off by the fact that the person who is kind of leading the men and in charge of all this is one of his ex uh, special forces buddies, Bennett, played by Vernon Wells, who is meant to be Arnie's rival in this film but looks more like a fat Freddie Mercury in Chainmail. (laughs) Like, he is not imposing in the slightest when you uh, stand him next to Arnie. I just... It's like, could they... He's perfectly cartoonish and a brilliant villain, but I just wish they'd have actually got someone a bit more Arnie stature. Like, Bill Duke. He fights Bill Duke halfway through the film, and they have this massive fight in uh, in a motel. Bill Duke is perfectly capable of standing up to Arnie. They are roughly the same size. They are two big, huge, muscular men. You have more time believing that he would put up a good fight. Yet, you know, 
and he eats green berets for breakfast and just kills him. <laughs> the, the the Sully is this little dipshit of uh, one of the little henchmen who who is an absolute perv and a and a absolute bastard to Cindy. That when he gets killed, it's brilliant. Like Arnie says, "I'm going to kill you last." And he's like. Remember when I told you I was going to kill you last? I lied. <laughs> Drops him off the cliff. Cindy's like, where is it? Where's Sully? He's like, I let him go. It's like, it's just full of those proper cheesy one-liners. And it's all capped off at the end with this big, huge... When eventually he gets to the compound where his daughter's being held and he just... He gets off the boat in his little speedos and he gets all covered in um, camouflage He's all tooled up with all these guns and he looks fucking awesome. And he just goes through this compound and just starts blowing buildings up, shooting men, killing men, killing, kills one guy with a circular saw through the head. Um, pretty sure he stabs a, a rake in another man, uh, like a garden fork or something out of the shed in another man. It just gets more and more insane with these kills. And then right at the end, he has this big fight with Bennett where... <laughs> Where he's beating up Bennett, and then all of a sudden Bennett gets kind of electrocuted and gets a surge of power, and manages to come back at Arnie. <laughs> and and Bennett could kill Bennett could kill Bennett could kill Matrix off. He could kill kill him off with a gun, but Arnie manages to talk him around to have a knife fight, and they have a knife fight, and then they have this big fight, and then eventually he's killed by Arnie pulling a pipe off the wall, throwing it through Bennett's stomach. And as he says that, a lot of steam comes out of the, out of this pipe, and he finishes it with "let off some steam, Bennett." <laughs> like, it's just he is the I, king of the one-liners, isn't he, Arnie? He is. Absolutely love this film. Like it, the deaths, the the one-liners. It's Arnie in his element. He's just having an absolute blast, and he looks great doing it. If you have never seen the Commando rap, please go on YouTube and look it up because. <laughs> Someone really does good. a rap. They they put the whole film into like this five minute rap where they rap along what's going on, and there's one line in it where it just gets me every time, and it's like uh, his muscles look awesome as he kills everyone. Like zooms in on his muscles, just going bah, 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 like just slow motion of his muscles rippling as he's shooting this machine gun. Ah, oh, it's so good. But yeah, Commando is it's just pure eighties. I absolutely love it. Um, I some people would say it's one of those so bad it's good films, but I just don't, I don't think that's the case. I, I don't think, think that was, that existed in the eighties, did it? It was just no. like mm. people actually genuinely liked it. It's only looking back now that it's bad. I don't think it's that. It's not even bad. It's just it's great. I love <laughs> so, it. I've never I've never even heard of this film. Oh, no, oh, I mean, yeah. I went, I, 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 went, I know we're a bit spoilery with how that goes, but no, it just I it makes think... me want to watch it more. And he's in his speedos at the end. Shoot it's the most manliest man film ever that, that ever oh, did man. It <laughs> is. Like, Arnie does so much in this film. Like one point he picks up a telephone box off and rips it off the wall and throws it with a man inside. <laughs> he just flips he flips a car over, like with his bare hands, he rips a door off a car. He, um The thing is he was probably so God. jacked in the eighties that he probably could have done all these things. Do you know what there oh, should have been like a sitcom or a reality TV show where Arnie's just like walking around trying to do day to day things, but he's so strong he can't actually do anything normally. So like he's going to pick up his kid from school and tries to open the car door and actually rips it off. Or, like... <laughs> <laughs> tries to eat a Danish and crushes it in his hand. <laughs> Why am I so strong? <laughs> <laughs> 
His muscles are a curse. <laughs> Sits on the toilet and just breaks. <laughs> I can't oh, shit anywhere. <laughs> oh, please. I implore anyone who's not watched Commando to it. It's 90 minutes long and it's just pure joy throughout the whole thing. There's not a moment wasted. It's just... It moves along at such a perfect pace. Uh, it never, it never lets up. It's relentless throughout the whole thing. It's just, it's so good, and it just ends with him like this proper '80s style rock song as well. <laughs> oh, '80s power ballad. That should be a subject in itself. It is a proper power ballad, like of a, <laughs> like yeah, fuck yeah, song to end the film on. <laughs> yeah, Commando for me. So, right, Biggie. What have our listeners been uh, saying? What's their favourite action film from the 80s? Well, the uh, the mailbag is uh, bulging just like Arnie's muscles. We've had uh, <laughs> Lee Davis write in. He said the, the 80s is the decade for action movies. And there's so many greats that it's hard to pick one. So I'll pick two. Commando, funny enough, and Mad Max, The Road Warrior. Mm. Why these two movies, though? It's quite simple. Vernon Wells is two of the best villain performances ever. <laughs> Camp correction. Per- I think he meant perfection, but who knows? <laughs> Maybe he did get a correction. I think so. I think he, he might is. be right. He's so camping in Commander. He really is. He's great in Mad Max as well. Another great movie. Um, Zap to the Past came in next. Uh, I'll throw a couple of John Carpenter classics in there first. Big Trouble in Little China. Why? Because yeah. it's all in the reflexes. That's such a great movie. I like the guy uh, who gets so angry he explodes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's such a weird... Have you not seen... Oh, you haven't seen this either, have you? No. It's oh, we're such put, a... We're going to have to put together a list for you. Yeah, it's, it's I, such I a bizarre any. movie. It's so weird, but it works for some reason. It's such a great movie. And uh, second, They Live. Best fight scene ever. Um, yeah, that fight scene between uh, Rowdy Piper and... I've forgotten the other guy now. Keith David. Yes, Keith David, yeah. yeah. See, I, Liv was going to be my choice originally. I was like, no, I can't miss up a chance to just riff on Commando. Like, I could just, I could like literally recite the whole of Commando like from start to finish. But, uh, <laughs> Liv is is a really great film, and that fight scene—it's like it's six minutes of them just beating the it's shit brutal. out of each other. Yeah, in, real in, in proper brutal fight. Yeah, like proper dick punches as well. Like he's just <laughs> proper fucking ramming his fist into his dick at one point. <laughs> And uh, he also mentioned, went on to mention, uh, oh, and uh, First Blood, which is a much better film than Rambo, First Blood Part 2, which I totally agree. Next up, we've got Xenos. And he said, well, I've checked my list of films. I remember having seen, and as far as I can tell, have watched literally no films that came out in the 80s. So I'm going to cheat by mentioning the most 80s film to not be released in the 80s, which is Kung Fury. Have you guys seen this? Yeah. So it was only available on YouTube, right? It is, yeah, at the moment. I think it just didn't get digitised, so somebody just did a, a crummy recording. But, yeah, so it's, it's that's another crazy one. It's a half hour long and available for free on YouTube. Go and watch it. It's hilarious. It does contain one homophobic slow, though, slur, but the character who uses it is shot over the phone by Hitler less than a minute <laughs> later. And I'm not giving you context for that sentence either. I said watch the film. <laughs> Imagine is that a bit like uh, Kung Fu Hustle then? That one. Similar, oh, well. I haven't seen it. I know of it, but I've never seen it. Well, I'll watch it now. Yeah. <laughs> it's only half hour. <laughs> mm. uh, Nimrod Hicks is next. He says, Does full metal jacket count as action? If so, that's my pick. 
Kubrickian genius of a movie. And I agree. That's one of my favourite Vietnam movies ever, that. Uh, Robotic Monkey next. You could pick any year in the 80s and have a full podcast worth of action films to talk about, surely. I remember watching The Last Starfighter as a kid. Stuff like that almost always used to be on TV on a Sunday afternoon. Inner Space, BMX Bandits, Kroll. I could list of loads. There's also a few franchises. Alien, Robocop, Die Hard. Never heard of it. Beverly Hills Cop, Superman, Indiana Jones, and the similar copies of it. Top Gun. I'm sure there are so many others that I've not mentioned. Yeah, he's pretty covered most of it, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah, I could have chosen Indiana Jones. Mm. I've seen that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> see i i always think when i say 80s action i do think lethal weapon commando yeah. like that like indiana jones is an action film but it's like an adventure film as yes. well so it mm. never cr- it's like star wars it never crosses my mind that it's actually an action film in there i always think like 80s fashion as well you gotta have a bit of the 80s fashion in 80s action films yeah definitely and rig sports a beautiful mullet so mm. yeah uh, Jamie Wine next The Princess Bride has a little bit of everything And the writing is on point The Three Amigos is so quotable It makes me laugh every time <laughs> Back to the Future Who doesn't want to meet their parents when they were teenagers The chemistry between the characters of Clue Is off the charts And maybe it could be worth with a different mix of actors But this one was just perfect I think she's maybe just put 80s films in there <laughs> Yeah because I've also seen <laughs> I, mean, I could have had that one yeah, then is Back it... to the Future might work in a, in a sense, but Clue's definitely not an action film. No. <laughs> uh, Adam Golightly next. Evening Emmy, hope all is well. And so for me, the first thing that came to mind for 80s action for me was Commando. Classic Arnie, <laughs> cheesy lines, full of action, and not to mention the steel drums used for the music in the, this film oh, was superb. I forgot about the steel drums. <laughs> I don't oh, remember the that. the steel drums. Yeah. Like in between scenes, it's like like on the steel drums. It's the soundtrack, so it's brilliant. <laughs> he follows this up with, "Now in other news, I'd like to formally request to throw fake PNGs into the fire, please. Yeah, these deceiving little bastards have done my nutting this week. Oh, and can we please throw WEBP formats in whilst we're at it too? Yeah, agreed." I've seen there's a strong hashtag free candy movement starting to take shape also. If people would like to trade off the PNGs and WBPs for Miss Machine oh Mrs. Yeah, Miss Machine's Freedom. Well. Well, see, as a as a patron, you're allowed to throw something into the fire in the patron section. So we will allow PNGs to go in. I'm not so sure that Candy's allowed to come back out for her. I'm in the Ooh. second circle of opinions. fire though. At least raise me up to the first circle of fire. <laughs> it's a miscarriage of justice. All I did was not eat my pizza crust. I don't see how that's more annoying than James Gordon. Natty, where do you stand on the uh, pizza crust handles? As in if you eat them or you don't eat them. Yeah. You don't eat them, so, you leave them. So we've no, we've got we've got a pub by us called the Think Bush. carefully here, by the way. I have. That's why I'm explaining my answer. So we've got a pub by okay. us called the Bush and it's epic. And they do like proper wood fired oven pizza on a pot of stone. And all the rest of it, and uh, they're all made fresh. All the dough's made fresh. When you get the crust, you've got these like you've probably had Stokes. Have you had Stokes ketchup with Stokes barbecue sauce? Do you have Stokes? No. Is that Welsh thing? Oh fuck! Well, it's the most amazing sauce you can get, and it comes in these little sachets. You dip your crust in it, and you fucking eat them. You eat them. You eat yeah. crust. Good choice. <laughs> I just, do I really deserve to be in the fire though? 
And yes. It must have well, been. A... We can't. Well, unfortunately, with Oodles and Gadget being off this week, we can't put you out. So you're in there for another week at least. No, it's so hot. <laughs> to fight your corner next week when they're back. Back, back to the feedback. Speaking of which, some bloke called Gadget has written in. Evening, everyone. Sorry I couldn't make it for the recording, but my choice this week was going to be Tron. One of the defining science fiction films of the 80s. It sets a new standard for visual effects, visual storytelling, and computer bullshittery. <laughs> but people don't remember that it's actually a banging action film. From the disc battles to the iconic light cycle sequence, this film is stuffed with brilliant and creative action sequences. Those light cycle, that scene was just, oh. Mm. Superb. Yeah. It's truly an iconic film that most definitely, absolutely did not have a sequel. There was that fan film a few years ago, but it was utter horse shite. There's only <laughs> one Tron film. Did you ever, this is slightly changing the subject, did you ever play the, uh, it was Kingdom Hearts 3 it was in, there was, there was an actual Tron level. It's really good. Yeah. Can you imagine Tron really in Kingdom pretty. Hearts? I remember you the arcade machine like Tron, but I wasn't very good at it. Awesome. Yeah. Game was shit. Game was shit. <laughs> and finally, ex-host Oodles. Hello there. Hope you're having a nice, well-paced and not overly long recording of this week's podcast without me. In regards to my personal favourite 80s action films, I'm pretty basic bitch. Die Hard, Total Recall, First Blood Part 2, Red Heat and Commando are amongst my favourites. However, one particular film is an action film I can actually call my favourite of its ilk, and that's Escape from New York. A film about one badass alpha infiltrating a hostile environment to save someone you couldn't give a shit about. Snake Pliskin is perhaps the most underrated action star of the era, and I feel bad not mentioning him. I swear to God, Snake, I thought you were dead. Yeah, you and everybody else. Love you all, and keep showing the keep keeping the show a, a tight one hour and thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah, about that. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love Escape from New York. We don't talk about the sequel, but... No, it's terrible. It's got a good ending, but yeah. the rest of the film's a bit shit. Uh, that that's it? it. Excellent. Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone, who wrote in, and thank you to you, Super Nighty Cat, for joining us last minute. Oh, bless yeah. you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You can, you'll be able to find Super Nighty Cat on Smash That Glass, which will be out the coming Monday. On Monday, yep. Yeah. What's I'm that? Looking forward to it. Do tell us more. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's a six-part spin-off from uh, Modern Escapism. Which, well, it might carry on. I don't know, but it's um, a celebration of all things women getting shit done. Oh God! Entertainment, pop culture, and more. So you're not invited, Biggie. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want to be anyway. <laughs> and yeah, we start on Monday. We start on Monday. Six-part series. You'll be able to find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere you can find your podcast. Um, you can find out more about us on modernescapism.co.uk and also we're going to be part of the Biggie Bundle as well so you'll get an unedited, probably X-rated version a couple of days without adverts earlier than they're due to air to the general public Thank you very much, I am really looking forward to hearing yep. this and because I get access to the Biggie Bundle I can listen to it early <laughs> and if you want to get the Biggie Bundle then you can get that at uh, patreon.com forward slash modern escapism. Uh, on there, you'll get that. You'll get a deep dive lounge early. You'll get access to spoiler casts early. And you'll get extended edition of this episode, which we're about to go and do now. So it, we'll have to say goodbye to everyone who's not a patron. And if you are, you can be sexual tyrannosauruses, just like me, in the patron section. 
Next week, we are going to be doing the best of the 80s. So we are going to open this to everything. So we want to know what your favorite things that come out of the 80s were. We're talking movies, music, TV, games, fashion, style, uh, the Walkman, the mixtape, everything that the 80s had to offer. We want to know what it is that you loved the most. So we'll see you next week for that. But for now, everyone who isn't a patron, we have to say goodbye. And for the patrons, we'll meet you in the green room. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.